0: good day to you fine people of god i'm pastor cole mcclinathan coming to you from central assembly of god bethlehem pennsylvania i trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today my hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in be blessed Uh, to those of you who have family that as made the ultimate sacrifice in giving their lives for the uh, the United States of America. And so this is Memorial Weekend, and we we honor those. And, and thank you for those of you who are in service for, um, for our nation as well. Thank the Lord. All right, I want to get into the Word. Today, my message is titled, Living by Faith. If you're taking notes, uh, you want to write that down, Living by Faith. And... Um, I'm looking forward. By the way, I'm looking forward to next Sunday. We're going to have a Pentecostal blowout. So y'all come charged up, ready to roll. We're going to meet with the Lord. It is Pentecost Sunday. It's actually next Sunday. And uh, so we're going to have a blowout. Expecting the power of God to just uh, come and visit us in a wonderful, wonderful way. Praise the Lord. There's an... uh, Special minister, a pastor, an author, Patrick Morley, he writes these words. Every rising tide eventually retreats to the sea. Whether it's the high winds of financial or family disaster, the stormy seas of broken relationships, or the washed away beaches of illness or death, we all live in circumstances that rise and fall Like the tides, inevitably, almost predictably, come the changes. Life happens, that's what he's saying. There are ebbs and flows. That's again a reference to tides. Tides come in, tides go out. If you've ever lived in or around the ocean in any capacity, you know that the waters rise, you know that they recede. Um... In January of 1993, Amy and I um, we bought a 1980 Jeep Wagoneer. Back when they were the long ones, the big ones, and um, it was an ugly sky blue with a couple of rust spots on it. It was it was almost embarrassing for me to to buy, but uh, the purposes I had in mind for it, it would suit perfectly. And we got out of a much better looking one to buy that one, but it was because the first one was, uh, it had the big eight cylinder in it, and it was full time four wheel drive, and it was like, it got 11 miles to the gallon on its best day. Averaged about eight miles to a gallon. So it was not friendly. And it broke down in the middle of an intersection on on Pastor Amy uh, one day, and that was the straw, and finally we got rid of the, the nice-looking one and uh, began to search for this other one. We found one in, um, at, a, at a place, and it, it uh, had a plow, had a snow plow on it. The guy said he wanted $1,600 for it. He may have said a little more, and I probably, you know, bartered with him a little bit. But whatever the, in the end, we ended up paying sixteen hundred dollars for it. But I can tell you this, and I want you to pay attention to this: if the man had asked me, I "Throw in a couple hundred dollars, and I'll give you the plow too," if he had done that with me, I would have looked him in the eye and said, "I'm not doing that. Two hundred dollars." Now, at that point, I had lived in Pennsylvania for seven years. So from 1986 to 1993, January, I could count on one hand how many plowable snows I experienced. I mean, I'm talking about the kind that makes you think, man, let's get out and have some fun in the snow. Two of them. I can literally tell you there were two of them. I know this because I bought the Jeep that I talked about first, you know, that was before this one, and I remember praying, come on, Lord, I want some snow, otherwise I have no good excuse to have a four-wheel drive vehicle. So this is January of 1993. How many of you lived in Pennsylvania or in the Northeast in January of 1993? All of you remember March of 1993? March the 13th, to be specific. We had, and you can Google this. Those of you who were not here, Google it. Just look for the storm of the, in the northeast of 1993. It's there. It literally, they call it, some refer to it, weather people refer to it as the winter hurricane of 93. It blasted the northeast, all over the northeast. In this area, we had, I'm not kidding you, I'm not making this up, again, you can Google it, with wind chills minus 45 degrees. It was a hard blowing winter storm come in and man, it was like Alaska. Um, And so I had that Jeep, went out and hooked my plow up to it, got out and plowed my church parking area and our driveway and then I put the Jeep back and dropped the plow and Went inside to enjoy some nice, warm, hot chocolate and enjoy the day with my family. Um, this was actually before Emily was born. So it's January, now March of 93. Of and um, I wish I had got some pictures for you to even see what it looked like. It looked like, if you can imagine, we received 21 inches of snow in this area. 21 inches of snow in in I don't remember what the time frame was, but it was not like 24 hours. I'm talking like 10, 12 hours. 21 inches of snow. It was a very light snow because of the cold temperatures, which was good for doing what you have to do when you plow. Um, so anyway, the next uh, this is what happens, and and I I'm in my house enjoying the uh, now uh, midday, and and I get a call a call. This was actually mid-morning at that stage. And I get a call from a, a deacon of the church and he says, listen, my uh, business partner has a warehouse and he has uh, uh, a, an apartment complex and he wants you to come plow. He's called two different guys and they've never, they've not shown up and he has to get on with life of business. And I told him that you had a plow and he said he'd pay you $150. And I thought for just about two seconds and <laughs> And at uh, that time, it was 1993, we were in a church, it was a small church, and they were paying us get-by money. And, and uh, so $150 for what I estimated two to three hours work was like, woohoo! thank you, Jesus. So I want you to pay attention to the woo-hoo because I got in my Jeep, went over to the place, met with the people. He told me where I needed to go. I went to the apartment complex first. That's what he asked me to do. I made one run down the long stretch of the apartment complex, and I couldn't lift my plow up. I'm in a parking lot surrounded by snow and vehicles that can't move. Because of the snow that I'm about to, or was about to try to move, and I can't lift the thing. I jiggled this and banged on that and got outside and act like I knew what I was doing, trying to make it work, and it never worked. I ultimately have to drop the plow in this parking lot. And I'm thinking, Lord, this was supposed to be a blessing it's not now a blessing this is a curse because of because I'm thinking I got to find who's going to move a plow for you it's not like you can lift it up and even put it on the bed of a pickup I'd have had to have 25 people these are this is a snow plow it's solid metal and I'm going Lord I don't come on God and so I have nothing to nothing I can do but to drop the plow at this point I go home and I moan and complain for a little while. Call the same deacon that had said, come on over and do this. And, and uh, I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, what are you thinking about? Maybe, what, maybe we can get it working and this and that. And, and uh, maybe it's frozen. And so that started trigger. But in, in the end, let me make a long story short. I took the Jeep without the plow to a place, a local place, the second stop, if you will, trying to find O-rings. Uh, a plow is nothing more than a jack. That's what it has on it, but it's just automatic. It drives the fluids that make it go up and down. So um, I realized that there was a problem with it, and ultimately it was frozen. So I got out there with a hair dryer and thawed out my, uh, the, the, the jack, Realized that the problem was water in it, so I had to go fix some things. And and one of the things that I needed was some new O-rings. I'm telling you all this for a purpose. I drive to the place where I can buy these O-rings, which amazingly is open. I have to park across the street because there was their place was, you know, snow was that deep anywhere you could park, and it was only a little storefront place with just little parking spaces in the front, so I couldn't even pull in there. So my buddy, the deacon, goes into the store to find these O-rings. While I'm sitting there in an unopened gas station, the owner comes over to me and says, are you going to be plowing? I said, well, that's my intention, should I get this plow working? And he said, well, when you do, come back and plow this. I'll give you 25 bucks for plowing my lot. It's a little tiny spot. And the guy comes out. He has the O-rings in his hand. And he said to me, you know, when we get this fixed, he wants you to plow his spot. I said, well, now this is interesting. So we get the thing. I actually get it fixed. I go plow the parking area I originally picked up my plow and then did the warehouse, and then I come back, and I'm plowing the the one spot, and I'm plowing the next spot. And while I'm plowing those two spots, I have no more less than three people that come by and say, when you get done, would you come plow my spot? And every one of them tell me, I'll pay you whatever. It's just this kind of thing going on. And, and so that day, I made $1,400 on that day. Now, and, and, and the story doesn't end there because every time I plowed someone's spot, somebody would stop by, give me an address, and say, could you please come plow our place? By the time three days were done, I was worn out, but I made $2,400 in three days. That is enormous when you're in a desperate position. Now, I tell you that story. It all worked out wonderfully. But the thing you need to capture in the moment, I did not feel like a man of faith and power. Did you hear what I said when I was sitting at the parking lot where I was going to have to unhook my plow? I was thinking, I'm going to have to have a tow truck come because that's the only thing that can lift this thing off the ground and tow it back to my place with money I now don't have. So uh, it was kind of a disappointment, and what you are hearing right now is that... uh, I, my faith was weak. I was calling what I thought was a blessing, a curse. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians chapter five verse seven. The new living translation puts it this way, "For we live by believing and not by seeing. King James just knows what it's you know what it says right we live by faith not by sight live by faith not by sight and and that's just saying again we live by believing and not by seeing and so what we have and what I am why I went through the trouble of describing that whole event to you is that this fight between the emotional and the rational man so that's where I begin today if you're taking notes this fight between the emotional and the rational man. When we are in uh, mental, spiritual battles, we really don't want to hear from the rational man. Somebody say amen. You don't want to hear from the rational man. Philippians 4, verse 6, is how the scriptures put it. Don't worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. While I am sure I prayed, you've prayed those prayers before, haven't you? Okay, go back to the... see. See this, we all have the convenience. You have the convenience of the biblical history and it makes it easy on you, too easy. I'm taking you to a story that I walked out that when I was in the middle of it, I'm not claiming I'm a man of faith and power under a great anointing. I wasn't thinking anointed thoughts at that moment while I'm unhitching my plow and it's 20 degrees below zero. I wasn't thinking, oh, Jesus, you're so good. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. I wasn't singing that. I was singing something more like (laughs) eehaw. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. (laughs) Now it's going to be stuck in your head. I'll feed it. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Yeah, some of you know it. So while I'm sure I prayed... I was anxious, I was angry, and I wasn't thanking the Lord. Somebody listening to me right now, you're in something just like this. This word is for you. And if it's not you in it right now, please listen. Please pay attention. You will be where I was at some point in your walk with God. I think it's safe to say that every one of us at times prefer to let the emotional man get out and run wild. Come on, ladies. Y'all with me on this one? There are occasions, certain occasions, sometimes predictably, when the emotional woman wants to get out and run wild Predictably, like monthly. That, you know, (laughs) y'all could say amen because you know it's true. How many real people do I have in the church this morning? When you got something on your mind, it's coming out your mouth. And the emotional man will take the floor And he doesn't give up easily. It may be humorous now when we talk about it. It's even pleasant for me to talk about that story, but I'm telling you while I was in the middle of it, I was not happy. So how many of you need to know how to work through those emotional struggles when you're in the middle of a mess? That was a crisis moment for me. Thank God I can tell you I've grown since then. And so here's today's focus. How do I help you grow in a crisis when faith is on the line? And when your faith is challenged, you need to step up, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. So what is the proper response? It's in the Word, 1 Peter 5, excuse me, 1 verse 7. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. We went over this, uh, just touched it last uh, Wednesday night. These trials, everybody say thank God for trials. No, don't say that. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. You do need them. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Do you hear what he's saying? Than mere gold? Than stuff? Your faith is far more precious than just stuff. So when your faith remains strong through many trials It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. As believers, God is connected to every chapter in our lives. Come on, somebody. Every chapter in your life, God is connected to it. And so as an excerpt, if you will, from... From last week's message, there is no situation you can get yourself into, whether by your creation or by default, that God will not walk through it with you. God will walk through it with you. That was the crux of last week's message. He'll always be there. He'll always be faithful to you. He'll walk it out with you. You have to chase him away if you want him away. No, he's always there. But here's the thing. As a human, you will endure times of struggle. I know that the word says people can go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Um, But I am of the opinion, because I have lived now 59 years, that there are going to be occasions that you're going to be on a receding tide. Not all incoming. Let me tell you something. For every mountain, there's a valley. I throw a baseball up, it's coming down. There are rhythms to your life when things are going wonderful and there are rhythms to your life when things are not great. God is still God in the midst of all of it and he will walk through all of it with you. Uh, uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote into each life a little rain must fall. Now I know that's just a poet. I think the I think the poem was titled um, Rainy Days. I think that's the actual title to it, Rainy Days. And, and, And so you, all of us want to live in the good stuff. All of us want to embrace the good stuff. Peter was elated walking on the water. But... Thank God Jesus was there to pull him out of it. Get him back in the boat. So recognize that when trouble comes, this is the time for your faith to shine. When the trouble comes, this is the time for your faith to shine. Isn't that what 1 Peter 1 verse 7 is talking about? That God wants to perfect your faith. So your faith will come under trial at times. It's not a trial if it's not difficult. We may think the issue is how to bring, listen, this is how we go about it in our own heads. So you've, you've done this process, whether you realize it or not, you've done it in some shape or form. We think that, that the issue is how to bring the rational man, the emotional man, and the volitional man onto an even keel. The, uh, the volitional man, that's just the guy that makes decisions in your head. Your will, that's volition. We, we practice our church volition by determining we were opening our doors on May the 10th. Our will. We made a decision. And so we, we think that the issue is the rational man, the emotional man, the volitional man. We seek to reconcile those differences in, in this area within us usually by making a change. But either path you take is a change. So change itself is not the issue. Let me relate this to you with a funny story from our life. Around the year 2000, my wife uh, was, was hospitalized. And um, she, w- she was there and the expected stay was just a few days. But I, I want you to know about the woman who was in the other bed. She was a moaner. She was a vocal moaner. Let me explain it to you this way every five seconds. It sounded like a woman was a ghost. And I have my three small children standing there with me. They're all standing there with me. We're having a conversation with their mom. Oh, I'm not making this up. At one point, the woman did this. This is not a made-up story Everyone in my immediate family will back me up on this. That woman at one point does this. Mark. My oldest son's name is Mark. So that took the whole spooky level way up there. He was under conviction or scared to death. I don't know, but. So let me, why did I go into that story? The rational man says, we're only going to be here. She's only going to be in here two or three days. You know, uh, it'll be all right. She can manage it. They'll figure out a way. But the emotional man says, I'm paying $400 for this room. They can move that woman out of my room. The volitional man says, Well, I'll request a room change. Either way, it's change. And that's, I use that to simply say, We're looking at the situation. We want to change the circumstance. The issue, hear me now, the issue is how do we surrender to the Holy Spirit? in our circumstances as they exist. How do we surrender to the Holy Spirit in our circumstances as they exist? That may not seem rational. What we most often do is seek to change the circumstances, but God is less interested in changing the circumstances he is most interested in changing you so look at your neighbor right now and tell him god's after you he's after you jamil so this is my third main point what is god after the, the emotions, the mind, or the will? How many of you have been told at some point in your Christian life or your walk with God not to live by your feelings? How many of you in this place are saved? Raise your hand, please. If you've been in the church more than three days, somebody's told you. You can't live by your feelings. That's the opening verse. We walk by faith. Not by sight. You can't walk by what you feel. So it's true. We cannot trust the emotional man. But hear me when I say this, again, if you're taking notes, it is equally true that you cannot trust the rational man. You see, the rational man acts on human knowledge, not spiritual understanding. I think that's good. I'm going to say that again. The rational man acts on human knowledge, not spiritual understanding. You see, the scriptures command growth in spiritual knowledge. Paul prayed. Hear what Paul prayed in Colossians one nine. He did it this. He said it this way. I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His capital H will through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding. Colossians one nine. If you're taking notes, write that down. Colossians one. That's what Paul prayed to the church in Colossa. What is the spiritual knowledge as it relates to life issues and struggles for us? You know the verse. It's Hebrews 11, verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. That's spiritual knowledge. That's what Paul's praying to be filled with for the people in Colossae. Rational man cannot be trusted any more than the emotional man can be trusted. Consider, all right, you listening with me now, right now? Consider all of the terrible rational decisions you've ever made in your life. I'm going to do it again. This is the day of vehicle stories. In the year 99, 1999, Amy and I bought a, um, a 97 Ford Windstar. At the time, we, we, we had sold because we, I don't remember if we sold it first or after we sold, bought the new one. Yeah, it had to be after because we, we knew we were up a creek. Anyway, um, we sold a, a um, GMC Safari van. That was an incredible van. We sold it with 200,000 miles on it. And we sold it to someone in the church. Well, I'm telling you that is like that's a, I was like, no, I don't want to sell it to people I know. I just don't want to sell it. I don't want to sell anything to people I know and love and care about. And in that church everybody Gill's here. He can testify to it. Everybody was related to at least one of the families in our church. Everybody in that town. So if, if it was bad, everybody knew. I sold it to them. They kept driving the thing, and I, I remember the last time I asked, it, it had 264,000 miles on it, and it was still going. But anyway, I don't tell you that story to tell you about that van. It's the new one we got. It had 46,000 miles on it. Mine had two hundred thousand prior. I'm buying a, my church, I'm buying a uh, uh, this van with forty six thousand miles on it. We're all excited. We're ready to go to. Uh, we're we're going to my wife's family's um, for for Thanksgiving. So you know what the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is like, right? Traffic, etc. I'm in my brand new van. Got my Beautiful wife and my three wonderful children right behind me. Woohoo! Off to grandma's we go, off to grandma's we go. Got everything packed in, everything's loaded in that van. I'm at a stoplight just about 10 miles from my house. I'm in Camp Hill. I'm sitting at the red light, light turns green. Vroom. Vroom. A lot of noise. No go. I panic, throw it into first gear, and it starts to move. And I'm going, okay, I can do that. Shift it into second when it revs up. Shift it into third. Finally, I'm going a little ways, but I'm thinking, I'm about to drive two and a half, three hours, and I do... Anyway, the transmission went out on it. To make the long story short, transmission went out on it. I did make the trip, just couldn't park anywhere where I had to have reverse. (laughs) Think about that on Black Friday. Anyway, we we survived it. I'm telling you it was a rational decision, right? 46,000 miles versus... I mean, we were even blessing a missionary. This is a missionary we currently support even at this church. We supported them at that church. This is a missionary we support here at this church. We bought their van from them. So it wasn't a used car dealer that I could go back and say, hey, look what you did. I mean, these guys, they're leaving for the field. I'm so sorry. But sorry didn't put that $1,700 transmission in my van. And so... I tell you all of that, it was a rational decision. You hearing me? 200,000, 46,000, many years older versus the newer one. Nothing is easier than self-deceit. Our best thinking can end in disaster. It's the Humpty Dumpty story. All the plans of mice and men. You think through your processes. I I want you to think. I don't want you to just make rash decisions. I want you to make rational decisions. But when will we learn to trust God by faith? And so here's the deal. You need to exchange, write this down. You need to exchange your thinking for praying. Learn the lesson from the preacher. Right? Learn the lesson from the preacher. Exchange your thinking for praying. And if you're not getting an answer, don't do it. What does Jesus want to teach us? The Christian life is to be lived in the will by faith. The Christian life is to Be lived in the will by faith. Your will making decisions because of faith, not rationality. Romans 117. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's the end of that verse. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. Packed in that verse so much. The volitional man decides to live by faith in the word and not according to the deductions of his mind. You make a choice, your will, you make a choice in your will to live by faith according to the word, not according to your thinking processes. When rationality clashes with the word, leave your suspected genius behind. At the end of the day, faith is more important than rationality. And faith always triumphs over circumstances. Faith always triumphs over circumstances. That's a good word. Faith always triumphs over circumstances, faith always triumphs over COVID-19. Leave, your, leave, leave some room in your thinking for spiritual mystery. There's a reason I said that, but I'm gonna repeat it before I say it again. There, leave some room in your Life for spiritual mystery. Why do I say that? When we bought the Jeep in my opening, I'm going to take you back. January of 1993 is when we bought it. Is it possible that anyone in here remembers the winter of 1993 into 94? We got 50 plowable snows I now have a working plow and lots of people that now know me every time it snowed I made $400 do the math do the math I'm good I'm doing good hallelujah hallelujah I'm blessed. Look, we bought a brand new washer, dryer. We bought a brand new bed. I mean, we were sleeping on some kind of mattress. Probably somebody gave it to us. I even brought her a replacement diamond for the ring that w- she, she had lost the diamond out and it was so tiny we couldn't have found it anyway. But <laughs> what do you want? I was 19 years old when I got married. It's not like. <laughs> We at least went down and bought her a diamond that you could see in the ring, you know. (laughs) Bought myself a brand new leather jacket. I remember those days. Those were good days. We were living large, man. But God knew that before I ever walked to the place or met the guy with the jeep. He also knew that there was a plow on it that I would need. The rational man standing there in front of that guy, I want you to get this. If the man had said give me $200 more, I'll give you the plow. I'd have said, who needs a plow? Never quit on faith, church. Some things just take time. That's our biggest struggle. Some things just take time. As much as I wanted to surrender my plowing woes to the Spirit, the impulses of the old man within me battled it. That, hear me, church, hear me when I say this, this is a word from God. That is precisely why the plow quit that battle in me. He knew I'd be standing in front of you at this moment and I needed what he was going to produce out of that moment of struggle. You can rationalize this any way you want. You could think, well, the guy who owned the Jeep before me probably knew that the plow wasn't that good. You could think, that I should have known better. That 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 I should have had to think service before I needed it. I didn't think I was going to need it. Period. But God's point is the first point and the only one that really matters. Your faith, when it is put under the microscope when it is put under the pressure the fire will come out as pure gold that's what god was after god knew where my faith character was weak where i wasn't fully surrendered so i've told you all of these stories in between this to tell you that i have never i will never go back to trying to figure out stuff. I'm not telling you I don't think about stuff. Of course, (laughs) you're a human, you need to think about things, and, and yeah, you go to people, talk to counselors, get wisdom, yes, 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 that's all in the word too. But in the end, what matters the most? Finding out what God wants. What, what's God's story in this? He knew. He knew. And I had that, that Jeep when we went to the next church. I, I had that Jeep in 1996. Bigger than the other one. 1996. 48 inches in, what was it? 24 hours or 28 hours, something like that. 48 inches of snow. 48 inches of snow. I was plowing like every two hours because you can't do it with the little old Jeep, if you will, and keep up with the church parking lot. God knew all of this. So in the final analysis, come on, Pastor Mackay, it is not all that important that you and I understand every detail of our lives. Let me say that again. It's not all that important that you and I understand every detail of our lives. Leave some room for spiritual mysteries where your faith must depend on God, where you must walk without seeing, when you must take the journey down what a, a path that may not look pretty. Some of you are on it right now. Say coronavirus 2020. I'm in it, preacher it's supremely important that by faith we yield control of every detail to the Lord. I mean, if we'll learn that, if we'll pick up on that, leave leave every detail to the Lord. Just leave it to the Lord. You're not going to rationalize. You're not going to figure it out. And by all means, please don't trust your emotions. They'll always steer you off. Let, let your emotions be the thing that respond on, a, on what most of us do with faith. We want God to prove it, then we'll believe. Uh-huh. Wait till after it happens to let your emotions take over. Then you can shout, dance, and rejoice in the Lord. It's supremely important that we develop our faith so that when faith problems are real problems, when real problems arise... We have faith fortitude. Yes. Hallelujah. There's a good word for you. Faith fortitude. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, do you got it? Faith fortitude? Do you have faith fortitude? A successful Christian life doesn't need the rationality of sight but we absolutely must have faith of surrender surrender to God's plan listen to me everything that enters your life is father filtered somehow or other if it gets to you, God is aware. He's not caught off guard. He is aware. And so what you have to tell yourself, if I'm in the middle of a mess, God, what are you after right now? What are you working on right now? What are you dealing with right now? Life in Christ doesn't seem rational sometimes but it is a collage of peculiar mysteries. (laughs) That's what I mean when I say these, these sort of spiritual mysteries. Leave it in the hands of God. And I, see, it's like this with everything, every great story you read and study in the Bible. It's the same thing as what I've just related to you. You have the convenience of hindsight. I have the convenience of hindsight. I'm telling you what it looks like from the way on the other side of it while you're walking in the middle of your mess right now and you can't see it clearly. I'm telling you, the Lord knows where you're at. He knows what you're walking through. He knows how difficult it is. He knows the pain you're enduring. He knows everything about it and he has a plan. And all God is asking for of his people is to simply do this, simply say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it. It doesn't look good to me. In fact, God, this doesn't feel good. I don't like the idea that I'm leaving my plow here right now, but I trust you. That's what he wanted me to say. That's what he wanted me to say. I didn't do it. He will be faithful to you and he will carry you through everything that you have in your life. I'm going to make, I I, I open with Patrick Morley, I'm going to close with Patrick Morley. Same book, same message, he says, our circumstances appear difficult. The logical, rational thing would be to make a change. He writes this, look a little longer before you make that change. What? Is God trying to teach you? Have you surrendered your circumstances to Him? So we got to learn how to take the pause. I call it a faith pause. Need to learn how to take a faith pause. What are you doing in this situation, Lord? You could manufacture a change. You could. I could have hired somebody to try to fix my Jeep. Nobody would have done it at that point because everybody was just trying to survive. God provided a solution, and he provided it in a way that, that was the most beneficial to me. See, you got to, again, I have the benefit. I'm providing you the benefit of hindsight. But it's only for me to to relate a story so that you can now see it for where you are right now. God knew that I needed to be in the parking lot across from the place that had the O-rings on the busiest street in Luzerne County so that when I was parked there, With my plow, ready to do business, people would drive by and say, Hey, can I give you my card? I live here, or my business is there. Would you go plow my business? Would you do this? What if... I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us, either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift